0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your HealthCast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, everyone's favorite nurse practitioner, and we are going to talk about something called SSRIs this week. Now, I would say they've been a hot topic for a little while. I, I think whenever a mass shooting comes around, they become more of a hot topic in our community and not so much in the political community, and I think we'll shed some light on that tonight as well. Um and we can take this podcast many different ways. We can do multiple podcasts on this technically, but we want to just talk about some of some of our thoughts on the subject. Uh maybe you're on them. Maybe you know someone who who are on them trying to get off or can't see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Um and we're going to discuss all this stuff. So, let's start out by how learn how common uh are SSRIs prescribed? Like what what is the percentage uh of people that are on these types of drugs?
1: Well, there's millions of people that are taking SSRIs every day. The inc- the rate of use has gone up by like 3,000% since 1981. Um, the largest percentage increase is in adolescents. Especially in the last few years from 2015, there has been a 39% increase in those that are between the ages of 13 and 19, which when we talk about side effects and some of the problems with SSRIs and SNRIs, um, you're going to notice that some of the more uh, scary issues that can happen are more common in young people in teenagers and in young adults. And so it is something that like, that's a really scary thing to know that there has been such an increase in teenagers in the last even the even the last eight years Mm -hmm. there are 40 million americans taking psychoactive drugs and so that could mean other things too of course um ssris are the most common i would say probably 90 percent at least anytime you hear somebody say well they were seeking um health help for mental health you know they were offered an ssri or snri because they are it is that common for that to be that instant reflex of the provider to offer those drugs
0: yeah it's it's excuse me it's 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 the gold standard so to speak which does our society a huge disservice Uh, i would liken this you just said 39 percent increase i would liken it to the increase in autism and we have to look at why this increase is happening so fast and so when we say SSRIs, these are things like Selexa, Lexapro, Prozac, Zoloft, um, Paxil, those types if of things. If you're thinking
1: about the generic, because I know a lot of people are given the generic, that's fluoxetine. That is citalopram. Um, that it is sertraline.
0: Yeah, <laughs> things that end in pram or teen, T-I-N-E, generally yeah. is going to be that. Um, and, you know, it it's such an interesting topic because... You have. We've heard people say that it's it's helped them. Uh, I would argue, and and I think you would agree with me on this that that's the vast minority of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and there's a, there's uh, that study from last year that showed eighty five percent of people on SSRIs found no benefit. There was no there was no change. Fifteen percent found uh, an improvement in symptoms.
0: Fifteen percent. So-
1: And so, and then there was another study from 2022 that found that depression wasn't even likely due to a chemical imbalance in serotonin. And so it's like, why would that help then? And so they were even questioning the use of antidepressants for depression and anxiety. Um, That was two different studies from 2022.
0: Those studies are interesting to me because in clinical practice, I've seen when we treat the brain and the gut and the adrenal glands, these things get well and those basically manipulate serotonin right and so that is one that a lot of your
1: serotonin is made in your
0: gut yeah 95 so so let's let's talk about this first before we even get into that what do ssris and snris do they basically make uh your stores of serotonin hang around longer yeah so that you have more access to your serotonin so you know, if you listen to our podcast, uh, you're, you listen to our Instagram or my membership, we're trying to, you know, we ask why. So instead of saying, okay, what med will produce this, we have to think of why is it not being produced in the first place? If 95% of your serotonin is made in your digestive tract, why are we not looking at gut health first and foremost on someone who gets any type of benefit, if any, to a SSRI?
1: And that it makes me so sad because that one of the biggest issues with SSRIs is the gut issues. Mm. Like it, it causes massive gut issues yep. and like diarrhea, just un, like just constipation, just overall nausea Um, and it depletes a lot of nutrients. And so we're making this problem much worse when we are, especially on these medications long-term.
0: Yeah. And it's it's kind of like when you and I talk about birth control, maybe throwing more hormone into the picture isn't the issue. Maybe it's how we're metabolizing our, our estrogens and our progesterones and our cortisols. Maybe it's how we're metabolizing our serotonin and our dopamine. So if we're going to make stuff hang out longer, maybe that only helps 15% of people because Maybe only fifteen percent of people can you know really benefit from that when the vast majority is coming from organ systems that are not working properly, yep. and you know at the end of the day, we have ninety five percent of our serotonin being made there in our gut, we have fifty percent of our dopamine being made in our gut where the rest of it is coming from the adrenal glands and then a little from the brain, and these are crucial to our body. They're absolutely crucial. And so we have to ask the question of why. Why is this? Why would we benefit from more of this? Well, maybe we don't have enough in the first place. So we can look at the mechanisms of how it's produced and what really um, helps produce it and helps keep it circulating, helps break it down, recycle it, all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, so let's let's go into some of the issues with, with SSRIs a little bit more and some of the history of SSRIs and then we'll kind of go in back into that like root cause stuff and solutions because totally. we are going to talk about solutions we're yep. not gonna hey there are, there's all these problems with antidepressants and not give solutions <laughs> we are not those people yeah and I was so- actually
0: I had a long day today I treated patients all day and then rushed home and starting to do this and so I was actually just going to leave everyone hanging tonight my bad <laughs>
1: No, that is not us. Like I hate when people do that. They point out all these problems and they give no solutions. And that is just not us. I I do want to point out that, um, you know, they approved the use of S of these antidepressants in adults. And then they kind of approved them in children. And it was, of course, it wasn't exactly like Studied in children before they started using them in children. They just started using them in ch- with children bef- before they were actually approved and found that it was okay. And so then they they went back and 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 approved it. But they actually so then they they went back and looked at the studies that were done to market its approval, and th- this didn't come to light till 2004. So the in mid 1990s. They were approved um, for use with teenagers. But until the 2004 court settlement, we had no idea of some of these um, effects that were found in the clinical trials. But they found that there was emotional lability, that they, um, let's see, some of its subjects contemplated uh, suicide um, in the clinical trial. And they never, that was never brought to anybody's attention until many years later. And then of course, we have found that be much worse since then, Um, there have been multiple studies that have linked suicidal thoughts with antidepressant use. And every, even when I was a conventional nurse practitioner, any person I would start on an antidepressant, I, I, I gave them that warning because you are supposed to do that with informed consent. You are supposed to say, all of the side effects you are supposed to say, Hey, like, this is the, there is a chance for an increase in suicidal thoughts. If this happens, then please reach out right away. Um, please seek help right away and gave them the list of emergency psychiatric help, because that is something that like, apparently not many providers do. Um, and it, that just boggles my mind. Um, but they were, they have been seeing these intense suicidal thoughts um, while on SSRI treatments for a long time there was i i have a case report from 1990 that they were even seeing this then and it said they, they developed intense violent suicidal preoccupation after 2 to 7 weeks of fluoxetine which is Prozac treatment this state persisted for as long as 3 days to as long as 3 months after discontinuation of fluoxetine this, this is important to note because this was happening after the time period where they say it should be working. So when you start on an antidepressant, they usually tell you it will take weeks to work. It's not an emergency solution, although many providers will present it as such. It's not an emergency solution because it takes weeks to work. Um, and so usually they say six weeks to work, but this was happening still during that time. And so it is something that um, is a really common issue, that it, it's these suicidal thoughts do happen while it's medication has been in the system and they've proven it over and over again.
0: And beyond suicide, I mean, think about, cause everyone's so different, right? And so one of the things that really uh, takes me off about the massive use of SSRIs is it's only one treatment and they use it for every single mental illness, essentially that comes through their doors. And there's no treatments that work for every one treatment does not work for everybody. It's, it's, it's numerically impossible and so right off the bat we're failing society because we have such a mental stress issue in this society that these SSRIs are not even going to come close to touching not not even close and so you just talked about suicide but you know in someone else it could be aggression it could yeah. be go ahead
1: yeah, so in sertraline, Zoloft is a really common SSRI that's given to teenagers. Mm-hmm. And the pediatric trials for it that were submitted by Pfizer, um, aggression was the most common cause for discontinuation from the two Zoloft placebo-controlled trials in depressed children. In these trials, eight of 189 patients randomized to Zoloft were discontinued for aggression, agitation, or hyperkinesis, another term for ak- akathisia. Uh yeah. So that was something where it's in the trials that they showed for for this Zol for Zoloft that it showed aggression.
0: Yeah. So so think about that. So we have millions of people being prescribed these things. We think that anything outside of Western medicine is quackery. Anything outside of Western medicine that believes that the mind and body are one and the same is quackery, right? And how can we not see that these types of aggressions suicide thoughts anger anxiety depression won't turn into something like a school shooting yeah. and things like that around the world that happen that are tragic and so i say this because when when we hear about school shootings everyone's first thought is guns 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 and i'm sure ha- some of you listen to this podcast or know exactly where i'm going with this and probably don't agree with me but this is our podcast, not your podcast. So I get to say what and, I want to say.
1: And hear, and hear us out. I mean, like, listen to it, you know.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so I'm going to go on a soapbox right now. So okay. I hope you guys are enjoying this Friday listening to this or whenever you're listening to this. But my, I myself am not a huge gun fan. I'm not coming at this from a, being a pro NRA type of person. I also am not for taking guns away. Now, everyone always wants to put guns at the root cause of all school shootings. And I know you're going to quote the research from England and, and all these different countries that have done it. Trust me, guns aren't going away. Something that gets made illegal is only going to be easier to get because it's more valuable.
1: Especially in this country. Do you Especially think they are going to be able to just still get guns? Yeah, they can get guns now, even though it's illegal for a felon to have a gun. Plenty of felons have guns.
0: Absolutely. And so when this type of stuff happens, my first question is not what type of gun they used, it's how many drugs were they on? Yeah. Because you know that all these people, as they always tell you, struggle with mental illness. And as Lauren pointed out, what, when you hear that, you can equate it to they're on medication. And I would like to see the true information of how many of these tragic mass shootings, how many of those shooters were on one or more antidepressants, whether they're SSRIs or SNRIs or anything like that. I would take it to the bank. That they're on multiple or have tried multiple because one produced this side effect, which went to another, and then they get juggled around in the Western medicine system that doesn't look at mind and body as one and the same and tries to manipulate their hormones, their neurotransmitters, when their body is really just an inflamed state. Because at the core of everything is inflammation. And that's when Lauren and I are talking about how do we get to the core root is going after inflammation. Whatever inflames your body inflames your brain. In natural biology, natural biology structure dictates function. And so if your body structures have any type of inflammation or issues, the function will be off. And the way that we should fix this is not by trying to manipulate the messages of the body. It should be manipulating the messengers of the body, the gut, the adrenals, the brain, the liver, the kidneys, the heart, all that type of stuff. So I I know that I'm kind of going on a rant here, but this is, it, it irritates me to my core when we're throwing around all of this gun talk, when we really need to start with mental illness in this country. And it takes a tribe, it takes a community to do this. Uh, And I hope at one time that, or sometime soon, we're on a tipping point when people really wake up and see what in the world is going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it really frustrates me when I see people that are, so quick to blame guns when they aren't they 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 totally disqualify and don't even talk about the heart of the of the person doing this or the home situation it doesn't even get brought up and it's like how is that how, how is that okay like we can talk about how guns are an issue but we won't even talk about the fact that you know they Live in a home that where there was a lot of abuse that yep. they've been prescribed all these meds because we still don't have the medical records for a lot of killers throughout throughout the history you know we we need to know what these people have been on yep. um, we need to know that i mean because that's a, it's a it's a, it's a factor in this um
0: one hundred percent
1: and we need 100%. to know like, what they've been through, what type of trauma they've been through like if we are not looking at the heart and assessing the heart and the home, then we are not doing this subject service at all um and just you know to point out like eric harris from columbine he was on zoloft and luvox uh at one point um like he like there have been that's one of the biggest mass shootings that like really affected our generation
0: um i'd say that was the first one that everyone truly remembers i think that one kind of shook the united states to its core um i would say that the one that shook me the most was Sandy Hook. Uh I just remember I'll never what year forget. Was that? that was in uh Newton, Connecticut.
1: What year was it?
0: Oh, uh 20 maybe 12, maybe. Is I, that I the remember. guy with the pink hair? No, that that's the shooter from Aurora that you're talking about.
1: Right. Okay. He was on Zoloft.
0: Yeah, and and Colorado is really interesting because of the altitude change. And my mentor would say that anxiety is really uh, due to lack of blood and yeah. they're they're at a higher altitude. So there's a lot of shootings that happened in Colorado. So that's another topic. Um, but back to Sandy Hook was, I'll never forget that. If you just look at the photos of Adam Lanza, the shooter from Sandy Hook, I will, you can take it to the bank that that kid was on medication. I'm sure that it's out there. They they may have released it. They may have not, but you can just look at him and see how little lithium was in his body. He has the yeah. look in his eye. Like he is yeah. gone. He is not in his body. He is not there. He is a zombie. And so. And when uh, he
1: mentions lithium, he doesn't mention, he doesn't, he's not talking about the pharmaceutical. Correct. It's different. Um, and we'll talk how about, about it more in the solutions. Um,
0: yeah. Talking about the mineral that's been depleted from our soils that right, right. hooked out in our cortisol and our stress hormone that's been linked to low levels of it have been linked to murder, suicide, uh, on top of brain inflammation, Alzheimer's, dementia, all that type of stuff.
1: So there was a just one more study on this large Swedish population data showed only 3% of individuals taking SSRIs were convicted of a violent crime. However, the drugs were associated with more than a 25% increased risk for such crimes. And this was a large Swedish population data uh, that looked at this. And it ended up saying there was a 25% increased risk of violent crime um, with SSRI use. So it's, it's, it, it is it's out there. I, I mean, if you put this on that statement on Instagram, it'll probably be fact-checked and told you that it's not true. Yeah. But it th- there are studies that have linked these two um, violence and, and, or suicidality, um, multiple times over other issues with antidepressants. Um, it increases the risk of brain hemorrhage. Did you know that they often give it to stroke patients? They give it to stroke patients, like pretty much in the hospital. Um, they discharge them with antidepressants, but it actually increases the risk. I think it's about 25% of, um, I'll have to find this study before. I'll put that in the show notes. But it increases the risk of recurrent intracranial hemorrhage after stroke.
0: That's so crazy. Yeah. And and I just want to back up for one second. You just said that it increased crime or I I can't remember exactly. Violence by 25%. Yeah. So if a million people are on these things and there's an increase of 25%, that is insane. Yeah, That is absolutely insane. Think about that. 25% of a million people, and there's more than that on there. How do we not see what's really causing violence? I mean, it's just, it's insane.
1: It is. It really is. Um, Okay. There's two other studies, uh, one from 2015 and one from 2016 that linked suicidality and um, violence with um, antidepressants. There, okay other side effects sexual side effects that's a big one yeah and i was gonna say to i know about, that you want to
0: talk about that one for sure i i think that this is going to be a really good point
1: and this is like one of the things that like a lot of because a lot of women are given antidepressants it's like one of the first things that a doctor will throw out at them because oh you're just anxious here's an antidepressant right um and it causes a lot of like lack of libido it causes just like lack of self of interest at all um no, the ability to like, not really feel emotion. Like you, you, you don't feel high highs and you don't feel low lows, but the no. high highs matter, like the joy matters. And no. so a lot of people on antidepressants will say they don't feel joy. Um, and so that matters, but the sexual side effects of like, well, erectile dysfunction is one of them, but also no. just like no interest at all. And then a little bit of disassociation too. So that has actually been proven um, in the literature as well. And it's anywhere from 25% to 75% will experience sexual side effects. My question is, we're giving these to teenagers and we're causing some disassociation and some lack of, you know, just any feeling at all. Is this, is this contributing to gender dysphoria?
0: Right. I mean, it's not
1: the only factor for sure. There's, there's a lot there, um, as well as the grooming, as well as other, like, chronic infections like Lyme and ticks and tick stuff that can definitely be a factor, but is it, is it a factor? I, I think it needs to be considered.
0: I think it absolutely needs to be considered. Um, It's, it's absolutely just that the, the gender dysphoria has become such a topic. Yeah. And again, I mean, I am referring back to when we talk about autism rates, when something like gender dysphoria is and, and the amount of uh antidepressants being prescribed, let's look at why. We keep we keep always, you know, in, in the media saying the what and this is happening, this is happening. We in what the media does is they try to make everyone feel included. So they want you to be like, Oh, this is just normal. When it's really common, not normal. Yeah. And so we need to figure out the why. And um, yeah, I think that's what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah, it's it is um It is shocking to me how people will just minimize that. Well, it's worth it because it saves their life, but does it like if they don't feel like the same person Um, and it's actually causing more and more nutrient depletion as well, because these medications do deplete a good amount of things, right? They deplete your melatonin, Um, they deplete your vitamin, uh, your B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, folate, calcium, CoQ10. Um, It
0: completes all the nutrients that make all your body functions work properly.
1: Yeah. Magnesium is our calming mineral. And if like, okay, that's just no big deal. You don't need it. And like, it's not even like they're telling people to take it alongside of antidepressants. They're not doing that.
0: Well, because they don't understand biochemistry. The pharmacist understands biochemistry, but the doctors do not.
1: I have seen more pharmacists lately recommend something alongside a pharmaceutical, and I am happy to see that. But it's just it's it's still not done enough, and there's still so many people that um just are not told. Um, and so B vitamins, methylation um is a factor in this. So antidepressants affect methylation, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So let let's talk about um the causes of of what's going on, and and so. This is what I'm going to tell you what they will tell you. If you look on online and you say, you know, we'll get into the withdrawal symptoms after this, but if you look up what helps with withdrawal symptoms, all of them are anti-inflammatories. The binders, the fish oil, the glutathione, the melatonin, the B vitamins. You know, those are all anti-inflammatories. And so at its core, the cause of all of this is an inflammatory process in your body. And so Lauren and I wanted to kind of see what angle we wanted to take. And obviously so much stuff causes inflammation, but from a chemical standpoint, the biggest thing that we wanted to bring up was histamine. Yeah. Because histamine is the most potent stimulator of your HPA axis, your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, which is your stress management system. And when that's not in balance, all of the issues that we've been talking about can come to the surface. So, you know, we've done episodes on so many different things from vaccines to food sensitivities to allergies to hormones. And one of the biggest things for histamine response or release is Th2 dominance. And the number one thing that we see increases Th2 dominance and histamine release, parasites, And remember when we said, parasites make people act funky. Remember, you don't have to be, you know, uh, uh, an aggressive mass murderer to experience those symptoms. You know, we get weird symptoms around the full moon. Our sleep gets dysregulated. We get irritable. But someone who has a lot of emotional trauma, a lot of childhood trauma, they might act a little different than the uh, average everyday person when a full moon happens if they have parasites in them. So why are we not, again... Going after the gut, right? Ninety-five percent of our serotonin's made there. These drugs are are what they're doing is making our serotonin instead of leaking or draining too quickly, it makes it hang around longer. So we that's probably the number one cause that I would look for in people with this is see how their gut health is doing and see if they have any parasites.
1: Yeah, there actually was, and it didn't talk about parasites, of course, because this wasn't a root cause study. But it was, it did look at. Um, suicidal thoughts and and increasing during pollen count, during high pollen counts. And yeah. it did find a correlation there. I because it it just makes sense. With more histamine, you have more inflammation and and that and nothing's gonna work as well. If you just think about it as inflammation, just pure and simple, it's it's gonna make sense and you, it's gonna help you understand. But parasites will definitely cause some disassociation, they'll cause some anxiety. And um, cause lack of sleep, or especially around the full moon. And I mean, lack of sleep will definitely impact your serotonin levels and will impact your ability to reason. And so all of that combined will, could definitely impact your, uh, your decision-making and anger and irritation and aggression.
0: And, and so follow me on this. So you have parasites right? Now, we're not saying that parasites are the only cause of this. We're just saying that they're probably a big um, stressor because of the histamine response. So think about this. Say you have a parasite. That creates Th2 dominance in your immune system, which makes your mast cells, which release histamine, very sensitized. We We release this histamine. Histamine is a potent stimulator of your adrenal glands and your HPA axis. So that basically gets your stress management system up and running. Your adrenaline starts pumping, your dopamine and your cortisol. Cortisol burns through your minerals and your vitamins, your B vitamins, your magnesium, CoQ10, all that stuff. It burns through it. You get depleted. Now you don't have nutrients to methylate properly. And now if you don't methylate properly, you don't build and break down neurotransmitters, right? We There's a gene called the MAO gene, and there's also one called the DAO. But it's mainly the MAO, which is what creates and and breaks down your serotonin and your dopamine. So instead of just going after a drug that does serotonin and dopamine, why don't we take a look back and say, okay, what can be causing this? Is it a methylation issue? I would argue that most of our issues have methylation associated because it basically is an enzymes that turn on and off every process. Yeah. Now, parasites and histamine can cause that, but that's, I'm I'm giving you an example because that's how we want to think about it. So, because if someone's going to listen to this and be like, wow, Charlie and Lauren just said that parasites are what's causing mass shootings.
1: No, that's not what taking, we're saying.
0: You're taking it out of context. You you guys are <laughs> acting like CNN news now. We, we don't want you to think that way. So, or we don't want you to to <laughs> grab that, but we want you to think of why we are so adamant about going after parasites, heavy metals, vaccines, food sensitivities, food colorings, seed oils, all the stuff that creates inflammation, that destroys our methylation, that destroys our ability to build and break down neurotransmitters. And now we're set up for issues. And if you throw on top of that, a stressful lifestyle with a traumatic upbringing, you have the perfect recipe for disaster. And these people are not getting help through SSRIs.
1: They have no coping mechanisms, especially a lot of these do people do have trauma in their lives. And yes, you cannot understate how important your childhood and adverse childhood events are and just how much that can affect your coping mechanisms and ability to just handle bad situations.
0: Absolutely. All right. So. I think we're beating this to death. Let's move along to what uh can we do about it? And then uh we'll finish off with uh withdrawal type symptoms and then we will go uh from there. So, let's talk about what we can do to help optimize things like serotonin, dopamine and things like that.
1: Yeah, so we so first, what I would say the foundational thing to help with depression, anxiety um, anything like that is going to be supporting methylation. We yep. both use a supplement called InspiraCell. It's a very well-rounded methylation support supplement. It's not, I mean, it's not going to be, there is not one supplement for everybody. Like there's not one medication for everybody. Correct. There is one supplement for everybody. So it's yep. not going to be like the end-all be-all solution for methylation, but it is the most well-rounded supplement out there.
0: Yeah, that is obviously my go-to. Um, there is a link that we will put in the show notes to a company called My Happy Genes and they do a report uh that is phenomenal that scans about 700 genes it tells you what those genes if you have any issues with it um any snips in the genes what they uh uh what symptoms you could experience and then it their website's great it says you know what foods you might be sensitive to or you can also pay to see what uh, nutrient recommendations for those types of genes as well um i will tell you this though with methylation with the MTHFR uh, gene and the MAO gene, those all work off of methylated or proper B vitamins, magnesium, and manganese. Those are the main ones. So Inspire Cell hits all of those bases. That's why I love it so much. Um, another thing that I will mention is uh, depends on do you need serotonin or do you need dopamine, and all of the amino acids that come or that lead into those come from animal protein so if you need dopamine it's more tyrosine and if you need serotonin it's more tryptophan and uh for tyrosine that is in inspire cell for tryptophan that is in Vervita calm so you t- see us talking about calms and inspire cells so much on on instagram you see all these children getting help with it and people uh lowering their adderall and lowering lowering their medications because you're supporting methylation and um uh those are my absolute go-tos. Uh, we can be on here all night talking about all the different inflammatory causes, but I think optimizing your methylation is the number one. Uh, and I'm a big, uh, fan of adaptogens. Yeah. I think regulating your HPA access. I just talked for an hour and 20 minutes last night in a membership about HPA access and adrenal health. Uh, and adaptogens is a big part of that. I, you know, Lauren and I talk about ashwagandha, schisandra, Tulsi Supreme. I like medicinal mushrooms. I like Myco Immunity from Host Defense is a great one.
1: Yeah, I I think adrenals. People do not realize how. Oh, and that's another point. A lot of the women that are prescribed antidepressants are postpartum, and oh, yeah. we could just give them some adrenal support. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make a world of difference. I I love adrenal cocktails. I think that's really helpful. But I also love regenerazam adrenal um yep. which is fine while breastfeeding um and that one has adrenal tissue in there that really helps to support and then but also ashwagandha in the afternoon yep. that would be lovely and it's great for postpartum hair loss um and so ashwagandha because,
0: because your hair has its own cortisol receptors
1: okay
0: it has its own hp axis I, I i'm going to do a hair loss uh full dive in the membership cuz people ask about hair loss all the time
1: yeah Yeah, it it is. It is. Well, I mean, who isn't stressed and just chronically like just stress and that will definitely impact and low thyroid. I would say most women have have low thyroid function at one point in time. Um, And so that is a factor there. Um, so ashwagandha will help with that. Um, ashwagandha is not for everybody. Some people might do better with holy basil or Tulsi. Um, and so there, those are things to consider, but I love, I mean, adaptogens make such a big difference for men too. So we're, you know, we were talking about violence earlier and I really want to make sure we, I know it is more men that you see that. So why, um, what are things that would help a man? Same thing, methylation support, but same thing with adaptogens. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not ashwagandha is not a woman saying it's a man. I mean, it's it's for everybody and it can be very helpful.
0: I I take two ashwagandha every single night. Yeah,
1: I yeah. take it every single night.
0: Um, one more thing I want to uh, mention: we we're talking about postpartum depression. That is why my prenatal choice is regenerozyme heart because it has adrenal tissue in there. And then what postpartum depression is you were relying on your baby's adrenal glands and now your baby's not in you and now your adrenals go into shock, sort of like a withdrawal symptom from an SSRI really.
1: There you go.
0: All right, um, another one.
1: A lot of of people mention like using St. John's Wort for depression and I know we've talked about this before um we came on here, we both there is there is a time and place for it. I'm not saying it's never like a good solution, but there's a lot of interactions and it it's not for everybody. Some people it will help. Other people it would just really will not help. So don't like immediately jump to like, oh, why aren't they mentioning St. John's work? It's it it can be helpful, but it's not like the end all be all and there are a lot of interactions.
0: Correct. And it really what it's doing is it optimizes your serotonin. But what if you have an MAO gene issue and you can't break down your serotonin properly and you're bypassing the methylation needs? So I would say that it's you definitely use it um, sparingly. I don't remember the last time I've ever had a patient use it, truthfully. I prefer uh, Vervida Calms because it has that lithium in there, which increases your GABA. And I prefer Albezia Supreme, which is great for anxiety yeah. depression. And it's also an antihistamine, which is really, really nice. And then one they just released that Lauren and I were talking about, Bacopa Supreme, which is for all brain inflammation.
1: Yep. That's powerful. That's ha- so, I, powerful. so powerful. So I I think using and, – and those things like that, Albizia, Bacopa, they don't have a ton of interactions um, where I – mean, I mean, it's not something you should just, like, take with a ton of other meds. I'm not telling you to do that. But St. John's wort does interact with a bunch of other stuff, so that's why it's, like, it is smart to – be mindful of
0: that yeah and so if if you're listening to this and you're like man they've thrown out so many things where do i start in my opinion you start with methylation i mean obviously if you're going to go after parasites and and heavy metals and chemicals like we always say that toxicity creates deficiency so if you know you have that stuff start there but to maximize our methylation we love inspire for lithium we love calms that has that tryptophan in there as well. Um. And then uh, a good fish oil, a a good cod liver oil, which has vitamin A, vitamin D, essential fats. Vitamin D,
1: yeah.
0: It's high in DHA, right? DHA is great for brain inflammation. So methyl uh, optimize your methylation, optimize inflammation with something like fish oil and uh, Albizia or Bacopa. And then you have the Inspire Cell and Calms. I think that's a great start to see how do you feel when you're going after your methylation and helping uh, brain inflammation.
1: Okay, a couple more things. Um, You did mention vitamin D and I love cod liver oil. I will say... That vitamin D being low can definitely be a factor in depression. And oh, yeah. so especially if it's during the wintertime, please have your vitamin D levels checked. I would like to see storage D and active D um, personally, and vitamin D supplements do deplete magnesium. So please be on magnesium. ADK is definitely one that I would Recommend, But I also really recommend like looking deeper and actually not just supplementing straight D because so many people have been on a lot of D and yep. it's not, it's pulling calcium, it's depleting magnesium. It's not the end all be all solution, um, but it can be helpful for some.
0: Yes. And just like you said, make sure you have the cofactors. That's vitamin A, K, and magnesium. And even if you, and I did a post on Instagram, even if you are taking all that stuff for a while and it's still low, like vitamin D needs to be between 70 and 90. If it's lower than that, it is usually your cortisol, your stress hormone that is depleting the expression of your vitamin D receptor. So in times of stress, your vitamin D will never heighten. Yeah. Oh, back one that I like
1: a lot for that step is Chasandra Supreme for love adrenal it. support and liver, and it helps with cortisol. That was one we did either. Um, love it, love it. other things to think about flower essences, Bach flower essences are wonderful. Okay, if you've not noticed me talking funny, I'm wearing a retainer. I can hear <laughs> it, so I need to say it. I'm still in the process of having my root canals removed. so this should be fixed next week. Um, She went.
0: She went almost an hour not saying anything, and then at the very end, I can't.
1: Like it's it's there. I can I can I can hear it. Okay, so flower essences are something to consider as well. Um, and then guys, we're talking about lots of things, right? Um, red light. We haven't mentioned red light yet. A lot of um, issues with depression, anxiety are you know there's some mitochondrial effect there, and red light works directly on mitochondria. There are so many studies that look at. Red light and near infrared light and depression and anxiety and mood and so that is not something to just say oh that won't really help it does help it has been proven and I find the effects be helpful um all the time so but the other things to consider that are free okay so we we've talked about supplements but what about things that are free because not everyone can afford even one supplement okay. You can go outside, wake up, go outside and sit and watch the morning sun. Bingo. Watch the evening sun too. That will help to regulate your melatonin and yep. your serotonin levels. Walk uh, two blocks, walk, walk two times around your neighborhood or two blocks, wherever you live. Um That being outside in sunshine really helps to ground you. Meditation prayer is powerful. Mm-hmm. Listening to worship songs. It's one of my favorite things to do, but listening to music um anything you can do to like anything like that is going to be very powerful and we always minimize it we don't necessarily so many people will say well i can't afford functional medicine because it's just too expensive or i can't afford to go see a provider like that or take all these supplements but they're not doing the free things right and guys like the free things matter and they really do help and the food that you eat if you are have depression really think about gluten um Please, please consider gluten um, intolerance and going da- and going gluten free at least, dairy free possibly too, but gluten free at the very bare minimum. The amount of patients I've had go gluten free and their depression, their anxiety, their brain fog clears up. It is shocking.
0: Yeah, and and like Lauren's saying, all that stuff, the gluten being inside all the time with artificial light being on your phone constantly, all the EMF around you, not getting, um, sunlight on your pupils. You know, if you're wearing sunglasses all the time, your body is made to be in nature. Yeah. And that goes a long way. Good sleep is crucial. Good blood sugar is crucial. Hydration. If you do the basics, which most people don't, the basics with truth withstands time and the basics will withstand time. And so I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Um, also, the last thing before we kind of close things up is withdrawal symptoms. You know, oh, yeah. I would say, when I've been working with patients, we taper off very slowly. Over the amount of months, we will go very, very slowly off of it while we deal with two things. Inflammation, which we've beat to death in this uh, podcast with histamine and everything we talked about with methylation. Mm-hmm. And I will also... Um, really, really hone in on the HPA axis, which is the adrenals, the pituitary and hypothalamus with adaptogens and medicinal mushrooms like reishi cordyceps, the whole blends, the mycoimmunity one I like that we talked about. Um, but you have to get your adrenals proper when you're getting off uh, these things, because that's what was really dysfunctioning in the first place. And when you get off of it, your body has to go back to relying on your levels prior. And that's when you start getting some really bad withdrawal symptoms. So in my opinion, and in my experience, you support the HPA axis, you regulate methylation and you, um, uh, you use, I like medicinal mushrooms to just help from an immune system standpoint, inflammation and uh, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So we did not go over the um, withdrawal syndromes to antidepressants i just want to mention some some of the symptoms because this can take months to even much longer or even just a few days of going off of it so i do want to mention that it could just be like if you're trying to go off it or if you've tried in the past things like the flu-like symptoms lightheadedness chills body aches headache nausea vomiting anxiety irritability and agitation dizziness lightheaded insomnia vivid dreams um and then brain zaps. That's one thing. So that many patients fought for many years to get this diagnosis accepted in by conventional medicine. And it just wasn't happening. Finally, it did. It's an ICD-10 now that it's a withdrawal syndrome. Um, But this is why we really recommend to go very slow. I've seen patients like in school, I learned, I think we said like half capsule for like a week, maybe two weeks and then you're fine. I would tell people, and this is when I was very conventional, do like half capsule for a couple of weeks, then go every other day, every couple of days. But I still, now I would, I would even back that up further. I would even say like 10% a month, to, uh, go off the, to go down the dosage. Of course, we want you to work with your provider doing this because this is something that you don't really want to do on your own. It, 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 it is a little bit harder to go off these meds than it is to go off any other meds out there. So yeah. it shouldn't be taken lightly and you should find a provider that is willing to work with you. I know many of you will say, well, what about insurance? My, my doctor, my doc, that, that won't be covered by insurance. There is a provider out there, a conventional provider out there that does take insurance that will help you wean off these. There is one. I mean, I I am positive of it. I've worked with mostly insured based patients throughout my career and, you will find one. They won't be happy about it, but they'll help. They'll let. They'll help you do it.
0: Yeah, they they definitely won't be happy about it. And the one thing that came to my mind before we uh, close up was we talked about adaptogens. Lauren mentioned a great one called Shassandra Supreme. And these medications, these SSRIs, trash your liver. And in Chinese medicine, the liver is related to depression, and the adrenals are related to anxiety and the heart. And so, what does Shassandra do? it's an adaptogen that works on the adrenals and heart because of the HPA axis and it helps produce glutathione and open up every liver pathway for uh draining properly so that is a great one uh to check out if you are uh taking this journey um before we take off i think unless Lauren has something else to say i think she's got to
1: tapping your uh um, tapping. Um, tapping um that check out charlie's wife on instagram she's got a lot of resources on there yep. curiously present um still can't talk right now um <laughs> but that is something that tapping is powerful yes. um it can take people out of panic attacks yeah. um don't minimize again that's another free thing we didn't mention earlier but it's a it's a free thing don't minimize it
0: yeah tapping okay. is absolutely free we it's working on the physiology because emotions live in your cells they're not in your mind they're right. in your cells so yep
1: yep that is so true okay guys This is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything.
0: All right, see you folks on the next one.